Hello everybody, happy um, Sunday, happy week. Uh, I hope you've been um, having a great, uh, let's say, uh, new moon, uh, beginning of the year of the uh, dragon. So hopefully we are entering a year that um, is going to give us quite a lot of enthusiasm and energy, hopefully not too much energy, but uh, we are having the North Node in Aries, uh, which is a fire sign. We're having now the wood dragon, which again is a masculine energy that has to do a lot with uh, the dragon, which is already kind of uh, aggressive. So we're definitely entering a year which is going to be quite energetic, to say the least. But let's start off with uh, looking at what's going on this week. We have um, Valentine's, of course, which is going to be kind of interesting. Let me um, check to see where I thought I had it lined up. Animate. Yeah, today's February 11, right? Yeah. So, if we look at the days ahead of us. So, first of all, Today we have the moon in Pisces. Uh, it's a very sensitive, very imaginative, very intuitive moon. And especially because the moon is sitting on top of Saturn today, uh, that happens once a month. And especially it happens when the two and a half days where the moon visits Pisces and it crosses over Saturn and then applies everything that she picked up from Saturn into Neptune. That's going to happen like that for the next year or so. It's been going on since 2012 that every time the moon is in Pisces, first of all, at least in the last year, it picks up some messages from Saturn which are very pragmatic, very practical, very down to earth. And then she passes it at the end of her visit to Pisces to Neptune, the ruler of Pisces, and kind of download a lot of practicality into the mystical, um, imaginative Neptune. So the interesting thing, whenever the moon is in Pisces, it was like that yesterday, it is today, a little bit tomorrow, is that there is this dynamic between practicality represented by Saturn and intuition, mysticism, gut feeling represented by Neptune. So that's why we have that back and forth happening with Saturn and Neptune. But it does give us some kind of an ability to connect uh, to imagination in a very pragmatic way, to our intuition in a very practical way. It kind of grounds everything that we are doing in relation to our mystical pursuit. So Anything that has to do with Im images and imagination, anything that has to do with insights can be very practical. And also for your meditation, it could actually really, really help. At least once a month for two and a half, three days, you'll be able to ground yourself and meditate much better. And also to pay attention to dreams. Dreams can be very prophetic when the moon is bouncing back and forth between Saturn and Neptune. The other thing that's happening to us this week, which is kind of significant, Mars is moving from its sign of exaltation from Capricorn, moving into Aquarius. So you can say that the plane was going or cruising, taxiing, you can say, on the ground, and now it's about to lift off as it moves into Aquarius. So that is going to be a pretty strong energy uh, that is going to help Saturn. Uh, 
help us with everything that has to do with e-commerce, help us with everything that has to do with uh, uh, communities, people, groups, organizations, much more energy around innovation and technology and science, uh, much more about fighting, not necessarily for your uh, self, but much more for the company, for the organization, for the community. Mars is going to be for the next two months almost uh, really working with Aquarius and especially now in the next 10 days we still have the Sun in Aquarius, we still have Mercury in Aquarius, Pluto of course is going to be in Aquarius until uh, September. We have a very Aquarian energy going on and that's going to be very crucial especially when Mars join uh, Aquarius and very soon Venus is going to join Aquarius as well. I think it's going to happen even at the end of this week. Because uh, uh, this week also, I think we talked about it last week, we have something pretty significant on February 19 where the North Node and Chiron are going to come into conjunction right when Venus and Mars are also going to be uh, conjuncting. So there's a lot of conjunction this week. Conjunction basically means new cycles beginning, new circles of life are starting. Uh, there is some kind of initiation going on. When two planets are coming together, it's not only that they're mixing their archetype and becoming something completely different, like a gestalt, much more than both of them added together, but the fact that there is a conjunction always means that there is a cycle that begins, the same way that the most famous conjunction is the one that happened just yesterday, which is a new moon in any sign, moon, you mean Aquarius was the last one, when the sun and the moon are in conjunct, it basically means that we're starting a new moon, a new lunar month. Uh, of course, when it's the opposition between two planets, it's some kind of a resolution of that, or there is some opposition or some completion that is coming into um, uh, fruition. So the new moon or conjunction always tells you new cycle begins. This week, therefore, is a lot of new beginnings in many different aspects of our life. Because it's happening a lot in Aries and Aquarius, it has to do with your body, your sense of self, your identity, your brand, your um, um, leadership abilities, everything has to do with your identity, basically. And Aquarius, that has to do with your community. So again, Aquarius and Aries is an interesting combination. Aquarius is all about the people. Aries is much more about the individual. And yet, uh, Aries is about identity. And Aquarius can also be about your individuality. So it's really interesting. It's a sign that has to do a lot. We talked about it with the community, but also with the individuality. And I, th I told you a few weeks ago that I think I understand that when I look at alpha generation where they're hooked to their, um, you know, to their phones and you think that they're alone there in the phone, but they're not completely alone in the phone. They're with a lot of other people who are uh, individually in a group. So that's, I think, how technology, Aquarius again, brought us to that uh, resolution of this paradox between how can Aquarius be the sign of communities and people and altruism, fraternity of humanity, you know, the us and yet, it's an individual sign. It's a sign that favors individuality. So, again, the modern uh, technological social media uh, existence or reality showed us that they can actually work together. And that could be part of that uh, age of Aquarius. Everybody alone, uh, but in our aloneness, we are together. So... 
we definitely are going to have quite a lot of focus on Aquarius. Again, it's going to start probably on Tuesday when Mars in the day of Tuesday, Martes, the day of Mars is going to move into Aquarius and it's going to step on top of Pluto. So we're going to have this week a pretty intense time where Mars and Pluto, both of them the rulers of Scorpio, that are going to come together in Aquarius, which is a square sign to um, um to Scorpio. So there's a little bit of conflict there. We don't have anything going on with Scorpio, any planets or any asteroids that are now there. So that's okay. We're not going to have the moon in Scorpio as well. But still, that having Mars and Pluto, both of them very powerful engines coming together traditionally in the chart, if that happens to you in transits or if you're born uh, with that, it does talk about intensity, power, um, a lot of recourses and resources coming your way. It's almost as if there's a lot of energy moving on. So because it's in Aquarius, the best way to channel that energy is to somehow connect to friendships, communities, charity, nonprofit, philanthropic work, anything that has to do also with innovation, technology, thinking outside of the box, e-commerce. So again, that energy of Aquarius is going to be overloaded this week. And especially because we're going to have also from a Monday, Tuesday, the moon moving into Aries, that energy of uh, the North Node and Chiron, which is very much guiding this week, is going to be enhanced when the moon, the moon is always the marker. The moon is always the one that pushes something. So you put the nail there, you hide it, you, you put it in the right position, but then the hammer that actually puts it inside is always the moon's transits if it's affecting any conjunction or any uh, heavenly appearance that is ac actually already happening. So the moon always kind of puts the nail on the coffin, if it's a coffin, or put the nails on um, um, whatever it is that we're creating. So let's start more focused on tomorrow. Tomorrow is February 12th. The moon is going to be on the cusp between Pisces and Aries, the end and the beginning. And it's touching Neptune, which is always a good sign for mystics, for dreamers, for poets, for dancers, for yogi, for meditators. You know, the, the energy of mindfulness is much stronger when Moon and Neptune conjunct, and they conjunct in Pisces, which is ruled by Neptune. That's really good. Just be careful of any tendencies of escapism or a dependency, codependency, any kind of addictions. Uh, just to pay attention to that, just because uh, Pisces energy, whenever it's elevated or too much of it, it can leak over there. But besides that, we have definitely Mars in the last day of um, Capricorn. Again, Mars in Capricorn is actually good in the sense that it's exalted and gives us a lot of energy. Uh, but as you can see on the chart, we have pretty nice trine between the moon and Minerva, a lot of wisdom coming to you from inside, a lot of intuition, maybe meeting even a wise woman or maybe a family member tells you something pretty wise, so don't discard it, especially if it's coming from a mother figure, a grandmother, a, a, a sister who's older than you, an aunt that is very wise. It seems like Athena is sending you some kind of messages uh, through a family member, member or through a woman around you, and it could also be coming from a dreams or an insight because because Minerva and Neptune are sending a beautiful trine to each other. We have uh, the conjunction. Yeah, it's not that strong, actually. But uh, 
The most important thing, I think, in that day is tomorrow, at least the conjunction between the moon and Neptune. That happens once a month, but still, it's something pretty nice. And the fact that the sun and Vesta are sending beautiful energy to each other. Again, Vesta is still a, an asteroid, so we have the moon and the sun sending beautiful asteroids, a, a beautiful trine to asteroids that are very helpful. Uh, tomorrow, especially coming from women or two women, there is a lot of insight. There is a lot of uh, uh, wisdom downloaded. Uh, and the moon in Pisces moving into Aries, a new beginning is starting tomorrow. But Tuesday is an interesting day because a lot of new things are happening on Tuesday. On Tuesday, we are officially beginning that conjunction that is very, very strong between Chiron and the North Node, last time they were together in Aries was 1969. So you can go back uh, to that time, talking about two Saturn returns ago. So it's kind of intense. And basically what it means is that the moon is going to be activating that conjunction. The conjunction of Chiron wounds uh, on top of the North Node, which presents some kind of healing of karma. North Node is basically your... Um, you can hear your steering wheel in order to decide where you want your karma to go. The south node is, is what you're driving with in the back of your car. There is some stuff that you've accumulated in the past, in past lifetimes. You know, it's there in, the, um, uh, in your uh, back seat in a way. Your north node is what is your decision, where you want to steer your karma to, where you want to be going. And because it's on top of Chiron, it is a time of a lot of healing, especially healing issues that might be affecting your insecurities or identity or your ability to express yourself or your ability to receive the recognition that you need. So Chiron on top of the north node can bring about wounds that you might have even from early childhood but it's also presenting you the ability to heal that because again Chiron is the wounded healer somebody that can heal everybody besides himself and when the moon is touching it on Tuesday and Wednesday even though it's before the conjunction it's just making it much stronger so again anything that has to do with your early childhood might be surfacing patterns from that period old wounds that you might need to still be healing but anything to do with your ability to be connected to teaching, shamanism, soul retrieval, you know, pieces of your soul that might have been um, a little bit more broken or a little bit traumatized are coming back to you in a sense. So in that way, it's going to be pretty powerful. And again, that conjunction on the moon on top of Chiron can bring about old wounds, especially in connection to family members, because that's what the moon represents. So that's much more Tuesday and Wednesday, the 13th, the 14th. And again, you're going to have Valentine's Day with the moon sitting on top of the North Node. You might be meeting new people uh, instead of dealing with people that you might have known in past lifetimes. And also what's happening on Tuesday, the day of Martes, the day of Mars. Mars is going to be conjuncting Pluto. A lot of time that can create a trigger uh, aggression. It can trigger um, activities that has to do with even fighting among friends or fighting within the company or fighting within the government. You know, Mars on top of Pluto uh, can be part of that uh, backlash. So you're going to see some movement around governments, or around organizations, around uh, large institutions because Mars just enhances, just ingresses or moves into Aquarius and because it's going to be on top of Pluto that's kind of a big deal again if we look at the Sabian symbol of uh, zero zero Aquarius just to see because that um, aspect I mean that degree is very important now that uh, that Pluto is going to spend so much time there uh, an old Adobe an old Adobe um, mission 
Yeah, we talked about it, I think, when we looked at the uh, new year in the Chinese new year that is going to be triple Aquarius for Beijing. So that degree basically talks about the connection between the old and the new. We have a mission that is trying to boldly go where no one has gone before, even if it's to convert uh, people that shouldn't be converted to. And uh, Aquarius, and, and of course, the old mission, Adobe is the old way of building things. So it's kind of a connection between the past and the future, maybe because it's the first degree of Aquarius, which is the future after being 30 degrees in a Capricorn, which is the past. So Mars on top of Pluto, a lot of transformation, especially the way you act, the way you uh, work, the way you exert your energy. Now, again, we have Mars and Pluto conjuncting in Aquarius, zero degrees Aquarius. We also have the moon, Chiron and the North Node conjuncting on that period of time so this week again a lot of conjunction a lot of new beginning one cycle beginning that has to do with action movement transformation magic research the occult because of the mars on top of pluto another one and that's going to be about two years cycle and then we have another one of the moon on top of chiron that uh, sorry the chiron moon on top of chiron on top of uh, the north node like i said that can happen uh, let's say the last time it happened was 2008 when both of them were conjunct but in aries it was 1969 so it's about a cycle of uh, uh, 17 16 17 18 years uh, also starting something new that has to do with your identity but next time chiron and the north node are going to meet they're not going to meet in aries anymore so what we're talking about, a lot of conjunction this week, meaning a good week to begin new things as above, so below. You know that above there's a lot of movement. It means also that below you can use the same to create a lot of movement, a lot of changes. So that's the biggest thing on Tuesday. The moon in Aries, new beginning, pushing things forward, um, a lot of um, need for assertion in a sense. Besides that, the, the emphasis on Aquarius is pretty strong and the good thing about that is that we have Minerva in Sagittarius one degree we have Mars and Pluto zero degrees Aquarius they create a beautiful sextile so the god of war and the goddess of war are working together so it means that there is some kind of a plan for the war which is unlike a lot of uh, wars that we're having now on the planet so maybe there's going to be more ability to create strategy and, and, and technical, technical decisions, tactical decisions, sorry, that could help uh, with every conflict, but also with your own things in life, there's going to be a sense of more direction. If we look at Wednesday, uh, February 14, it is Valentine's. Valentine's falls on the day of Mercury, so it's actually good for communication. Uh, conjunctions are always good in Valentine's because that's what you want. You want to be with your Valentine if it's a friend or if it's a lover, or if it's a potential lover. So having conjunction, especially in the two planets that have to do with intimacy in Scorpio, that's actually pretty good. Uh, the moon is going to be on the border, depends where you are in the world, between Aries and Taurus. Moon in Taurus is always great. It's the exalted moon. Uh, but the moon in Aries is going to be most of the day on uh, February 14. So that creates a sextile to the sun, which is great. While we have that sextile between Neptune, uh, sorry, the sun, uh, Pluto and Mars and, uh, and uh, Minerva, that's also good. We have, um, no, there's not that much uh, trines that are very, very significant. So it's okay. I mean, 
the day is mainly guided by the moon in Taurus. If we could have waited a little bit longer, it would have been a nicer Valentine's. But overall, I think it's interesting that in Valentine's, very close to Valentine's at least, we're going to have that conjunction of Venus and Mars. Venus and Mars, the, the cosmic lovers, are going to come together officially on February 15, 16. But you're always gonna, you're already going to start feeling it pretty strongly uh, on Valentine's, and that's really good. Venus is going to move into Aquarius in a few days, and that's going to join uh, Mars and Pluto. So we have on this Valentine's, a, let's say, a stellium, a conjunction of a lot of planets, which is Venus, the goddess of love, Pluto, transformation, sexuality, intimacy, and Mars, the god of passion. So it's an interesting period, the February 14, 15, 16. So for some of you, Valentine's is not going to be on the 14th precisely. It might be on the 15th in a sense, or energetically speaking, only happening on the 16th. So what's happening on February 15, the moon is going to be deep in Taurus and we have an interesting combination of two signs that are very, very dominant. One of them is Taurus, where we have Jupiter, the moon exalted and Uranus. And the other one is Aquarius, when you have the sun, Mercury, Mars, Pluto, and almost um, we have Venus as well. So it's almost 70% of the chart is in fixed signs. We can be a little bit stubborn. So Thursday, Friday might not be the best day for negotiations because people are going to be very much fortified in their own way of looking at things and very stubborn. You know, whether it's Aquarius can be stubborn intellectually and Taurus that can be stubborn in all aspects. But Jupiter on top of the moon, Great energy around real estate, home, family, art, design, even finance. Uranus on top of the moon on top of Jupiter is actually good for any kind of e-commerce or work uh, with innovation, with technology, especially on a financial level. Any connection between art and design and digits or anything to do with communities and people and uh, working together, doing things even that has to do with earth or agriculture, mother nature, again, very, very strong positive energy. And the fact that uh, there is a little bit of a square there between the planets that are in Aquarius and the planets that are in Taurus, sometimes it means that you're going to be forced into some action that you'd rather not take. But if you look at the chart, you see that most of the planets are actually connected with blue ribbons to each other, which actually is optimistic and good and flowing. So we don't have that much drama on Thursday. At least with Jupiter on top of the moon, it's really blessing interactions within families, mothering, parenting, nurturing. Again, an instinct that is going to be very brilliant because the moon is going to be touching Uranus, the Joker, the fool, but also the mad professor and ingenious ideas. What is happening on February 16 is um, the moon is still in Aquarius, eh, sorry, still in Taurus, but she's going to be squaring the sun in Aquarius. So Friday, uh, maybe it's not the best day for dating because the moon and the sun are having a hard time, even though Venus and Mars are coming together closer and closer and closer. Again, I would say that February 16, there's a feeling of lack of satisfaction. It doesn't matter how hard people work to make you feel good. You might not feel completely aligned or completely as good as you should. But uh, that square can ca can cause a little bit more emotional energy. 
But what's happening also is that the day after, on February 17, the moon is moving into Gemini, which gets along much better with the planets in Aquarius, and Venus is officially moving into Aquarius. So what we have is Pluto in Aquarius, Venus in Aquarius, Mars in Aquarius, Mercury in Aquarius, Sun in Aquarius. 50% of the chart in Saturday and Sunday are going to be very much about Aquarius. So this weekend is a weekend that is a little sample, a glimpse of the age of Aquarius because we're going to have literally 50% of the chart in Aquarius. That's very rare. So that's going to be Saturday and Sunday. If you're going to give birth at that time, you're going to have a kid who is half Aquarian. But the, the thing about that, having so much of that energy of Aquarius in the weekend is actually very positive energy, especially in connection to spending time with communities, with friendships, with groups, with organizations. So try to do something uh, that relates to that. Funny enough, if you are in LA, that's the day I'm going to be teaching an in-person class about uh, relationships in, re in, in respect for uh, Valentine's Day and the fact that Sun and the Venus, uh, Sun and Moon, sorry, Sun Mars and Venus are coming together. It's going to be in Pasadena. So you have it in the chat. Uh, you have it on my uh, Instagram live. If you guys are in LA, we're going to do that class from 6 to 8, I think, on Saturday. I didn't plan it, but it happened to be like that. At that day, we have 50% of the chart in Aquarius. So that's actually quite a lot. Again, anything to do with connection to innovation, technology, you wanted to get a new gadget, that's a good time. But overall, it does talk about pretty powerful positive energy that has to do with community and friendship, especially with the moon also being in Gemini at that time. We have 60% of the chart in air signs, so a lot of communication, a lot of connection to writing, networking, putting people together, very strong positive energy that has to do with uh, uh, humans in general. So that's going to be on Saturday, February 17 and February 18, we're getting ready for the conjunction of ne the North Node and Chiron, uh, which is again very, very strong. And also, we're going to have that Venus Mars conjunction that's going to happen Sunday. Monday, the moon is still going to be in Gemini on top of Vesta, which is the goddess of the hearth. Again, very good connection to real estate, even though it's Sunday. I mean, not all of you can do anything with that. And also, that is the last day of. Aquarius before on Monday, February 19, we're moving into the last sign of the Zodiac. We're going to be there for 30 days. We're all going to be Piscean from the 19th uh, all the way until the equinox on the 20th. So now a few things uh, that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, let's see. Yes. So first of all, the most important thing this week, like we mentioned, is the conjunctions that we're having. But also, symbolically speaking or historically speaking, we are having Valentine's. And as you know, Valentine's uh, didn't grow out of, um, out of nothing. It didn't grow in some vacuum. It actually has a lot of archaeological layers to it. And most of them are the celebration of fertility, the celebration of... Uh, a motherhood of relationships that were very much part of the uh, period, middle of February in Rome and in Greece and in a lot of pagan uh, societies. Lupercalia was the celebration of uh, Luper, you know, the, um, the wolf that actually is the um, 
you could say godmother of Rome. And at that day, what they did is basically sacrifice goats for fertility and dogs for purification. I don't know why they are uh, sacrificing dogs if wolf was like their mother, godmother. You know, that's, that's sometimes religion is a little bit strange. But anyway, they would take their hides, they would take their skin, dip it in the blood of the goat and the dogs and lightly um, brush it against plants or women. And, and women didn't run away from it thinking it's disgusting. They actually ran towards it because they believed that that's what's going to make you more fertile and more uh, successful in the year ahead. And that is why February is named after the goddess of marriage, the goddess of the family. So that's the origin of Valentine's. And it was celebrated February 15 usually. Uh, that's the basis of February 14. And the a uh, story of origin for Valentine's, there's a few of them. It's kind of interesting because, again, we said the origin, origin of everything is how in Valentine's days, the sons of Mars, the Romans, were celebrating that festival for Juno Februa, meaning Juno the purifier. February is the word for purification. Um, and like we said, they believed that it helped women to be more fer fertile and more uh, uh, connected to nature. Young men then had every woman, all the women there used to put their names in some kind of a jar and the men would pick it up and that would be your Valentine's. That would be your, um, it was kind of a Tinder, uh, but without looking at the pictures and relying only on the goddess Fortuna to be the matchmaker. And then trouble started because what happened in the Roman Empire, we're talking about the third century CE, what happened is that Christianity started spreading in the ranks of the soldiers in the empire. And because Christianity was really much all about family, about marriage, about relationship, and a lot of the converts were actually women first, they wanted their men to come back from war, to get back from the front, to get married, settle down. You see it very much in the movie um, Gladiator, which I heard that they're making another one right now. So you see that whole conflict between him needing to go to the front uh, with um, Marcus Aurelius and his uh, deranged son uh, to fight for the empire. But really what he wants is to be back in uh, uh, his farm with his wife and his uh, family to create his family. So that tension got so bad that more and more soldiers opted to go with, the, go with their wives and, and have a family instead of going to the front and find, fight the barbarians. So Claudius II came up with this concept of, you know what, people are not going to allow allowed to be married, no more marriages. But the, some of the priests, especially the Christian priests, kept marrying people secretly. And one of them was Valentine's, who was arrested and supposedly put in jail. And then what happened there was that uh, he fell in love. At that time, it was still possible for a priest to have relationships. And he fell in love with the daughter of the jailer. And on the day that he was supposed to be executed, according to the legend, he sent her a note from your Valentine's. Now, there's another story about him being able to cure her from blindness, which is kind of a contradicting story because he did heal her from blindness she couldn't be able to read because i think it takes time to learn how to read after you stop being blind right uh, because if you're blind you can't really read 
I mean, not at that time, at least. So, never mind. Sometimes stories collide and add some stuff. You know, stories are ruled by Gemini, and we expect some of the stories not to be completely true if it's more interesting, because we're not going to remember the story if it's not interesting. So, Geminis know that. So, sometimes they add layers to it to make it more interesting so that the story can procreate and... Um, and continue to spread. Anyway, there's another uh, story about Emperor Claudius II, again, the same dude from 270 uh, CE, that beheaded another uh, Valentine. So Valentines tend to lose their heads. So I don't know if it's the best name uh, for a kid. But anyway, uh, he was also, uh, his head was chopped off because supposedly he also married some uh, uh, people. But anyway, that was a pretty volatile time for people who are called Valentine. And eventually the church decided to take those Valentines, put them all together in one person and place them on February 14, which is close enough to the February 13 to 15, when the pagans were celebrating their festivities for honoring Juno Februa. So that's the origin on Valentine's, a little bit gory, but still it does talk about some connection to love. So... That's uh, a, one of the stories. Yeah, the other one that was that I was talking about was Valentine uh, of Terni. He was a bishop uh, that supposedly was the real Valentine's, but we don't know what's real, what's not real with this kind of story. And anyway, later Pope um, Gelesius I on the 5th century uh, tried to put together Valentine's with Lupercalia uh, to try to expel the pagan uh, ritual. And also in Europe, it was kind of quiet until the 15th, 16th centuries. The 15th century, we're starting to hear the word Valentine's again in the context of lovers. And uh, February 14 also, it could be that part of the reason why we celebrated it is because in France and England, it was believed that that was the beginning of the birds mating season, uh, February 14, maybe because they could start hearing them Sing, you know, this is also about the time that in Judaism we celebrate Tu Bishvat. We talked about it. It's the full moon in um, Aquarius, so it usually falls uh, around the same time, and it has to do with the birthday of fruit trees. So that's called the New Year's of fruit trees. Maybe the fruit trees are starting to have more flowers. The birds are seeing the flowers. They're starting to have some beginning of almost key uh, spring. You know, so that could be again part of that. Now I wanted to talk a little bit about roses because personally, it's one of my favorite things, even without um, uh, water uh, or raindrops on them. It's just magical for me. Uh, this year, I also decided I'll start my summer trip a little bit earlier before I'll go to Dubai. I'll go to uh, Bulgaria to check out the Rose Valley because there's a whole valley full of roses there that I always come too late to see. And this time I decided, no, this is the year to go see roses. And by the way, roses are associated in astrology with Aries uh, because it is associated with the color red and also the thorns. So, and of course, the number five, five, the five petals that are originally uh, what roses had represents the five wounds of Christ. It represents the five rocks that King David uh, had when he confronted Goliath, uh, the five books in the Torah. There's something very magical about five. We talked about it. It's uh, like the Pentagon. It's an, 
unstable number, that one number that has to do with the tree of life, with severity, the god of war, Mars, again, the ruler of Aries. But there is something magical about roses. Some people say that roses are like the lotus of the West, in a sense. So we know that there is rose fossils from about 35 million years ago, and we know that people started cultivating them uh, or domesticating the roses for 5,000 years ago, probably around the area of Persia uh, in Asia. Some people believe there could be a little bit of uh, natives uh, roses also in Africa and in uh, the New World, some in Europe, you know, but most likely it came from that part of the world. And most of the myths about stories and stories about uh, roses, including the Beauty and the Beast, by the way, are believed to come from that area, from the Persian Empire. It is also believed that Alexander the Great, hence the conqueror of uh, the uh, Persian Empire, brought the roses to the West. So, again, there's a lot of uh, interesting things about roses because roses are very dominant in Valentine's. And I know that you might get uh, your Valentine some roses. So we'll go over the colors and some of the numbers that are symbolic for them. So before you go and buy your roses, be a little bit more careful and figure and, you know, let's see what they actually represent. So first of all, the phrase sub rosa or sub rosa, under the rose, it's, it's actually connected to confidentiality, meaning secret. Because in a lot of places in Rome, they would have on the roof, on the ceiling, a lot of roses. Because whatever is said or done under the rose, it's supposed to be private. It's supposed to be secret. So that's kind of a, a, an interesting thing. Again, the secret lover aspect. And the, war, and the word rose actually appears more than 70 times in Shakespeare's work. It's the color, it's the, the flower that he mentions the most. And one of the most beautiful, uh, let's say, quotes from um, roses from Shakespeare is from Romeo and Juliet, and Juliet basically argues her case of love of Romeo, even though she, they belong to a different family, different tribe, a rival house. She says, what's in the name that might we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? And I think it's so beautiful. It's basically telling you what is a, a person who belongs to this country, that country, this religion, that religion, this color, that color. A person is a person no matter what you call them or how they look. So they also developed during the Victorian era, because that's when roses became very, very popular, a, a whole system. So first of all, red roses obviously represent passion. It represents intimacy. It represents sexuality. It represents privacy. You know, it's very much the energy of... Uh, a, Yes, if you give red roses, you're in love, you're, fa you're passionate, and you're not even hiding it. It's very, very obvious. If you're using uh, white roses, white roses are a purification, so they're good for marriages, they're good for uh, funerals, uh, for spiritual occasions, you know, bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah, I don't know, uh, breath or whatever. Uh, much more about, um, let's say, spiritual rituals. That's really good for anything to do with white roses. Pink roses uh, are the budding of a relationship. It's somebody that I'm kind of getting interested in. Uh, I'm sending you a message there. It's like looking at somebody for the first time and smiling and flirting. So let's say it's a flirtatious thing. It's not like well, I'm in love with you. I'm taking you out uh, to uh, dinner. So it's kind of more, it's pink. 
You know, it's between that white, which is a spiritual love, you can say, a platonic completely, to red, uh, let's go uh, under the covers, okay? So that's the pink. Yellow roses are representing uh, things that have to do with friendship. So you're not going to give your Valentine's yellow roses because then it basically says, uh, I want you as my friend. This is the time of Aquarius. The sun is in Aquarius. We have 50% of chart in Aquarius. I want you to be my friend. Uh, no more sexy time. And of course, if you bring um, orange ones, orange dyes talk about good communication and also friendship. It's very similar to yellow, but it's closer to red. So it's kind of like... Um, Maybe friends with benefits. I don't know. Maybe it's something in between. And then a black or really dark red roses represent death. Uh, maybe that's a good flower for a breakup. You know, If you bring one, it means you're the special one. But some people might find that you're cheap. Bringing two represents, again, the concept of relationship. Bringing three represents, oh, it's me and you and it's time for a baby. You know. Four, in Feng Shui, they say four is terrible, so I would stay away from giving four roses. Five roses, again, represents much more the energy of Aries, passion, but because five is kind of like in between yes and no, I would be a little bit more careful with that. And again, uh, after that, six is definitely talking about love, which is great. Seven is also great because it represents relationship. Eight is a number of infinity, so you bring eight, it's like you bring 800. I would stay away from 9 and 10 also is a good number. It represents completion and 12 is a great number as well because it represents the 12 signs, all of us together, all the archetypes working with you at the same time. Rose colors we talked about. Um, yeah, in the Greek mythology, there is a lot of stories, especially in connection to Aphrodite. So Aphrodite had a lover, Adonis, a lover slash son, it depends on the story. But anyway, he was um, wounded by a wild boar, which is interesting because boar is associated with Mars, the god of war. Maybe he was jealous because he was also a lover of Aphrodite, Ares, Iris, or Mars. And anyway, he was wounded there, and supposedly her tears mixed with his blood it transformed the white roses into red. In ancient Egypt, the roses are associated with Isis. In Islam, it represents the soul. So when you breathe in that, that um, scent of the roses, you're like breathing in the spirit. It's representing a balance between masculine and feminine. The thorns, the stem that is really strong is masculine, the red color, the um, softness of the petals, the smell represent feminine energy. Um, and also, because it's the flower of love, they've always been associated or used in magic potions and magic spells. Uh, they say it's believed that roses can actually elevate love and simulate uh, and stimulate sex, um, um, passion and sexuality. Again, most important thing next Monday is the North Node conjunct Chiron. I told you it's much more about becoming a teacher, becoming a healer, healing your identity, your self-image, um, shamanism. Maybe you can do something like write down the things that you feel that you've got as karma or ancestral karma from your your. Um, relatives or from your family write it down and maybe on that day do some kind of burning a uh, ritual to burn away some of those karmas 
This is a time to rewrite your destiny. Again, dealing with some physical traumas. But the beautiful thing is that on the same day, we have that Venus-Mars conjunction, which is, again, very powerful, very good. People are waiting for it uh, all the year. So you should definitely use it. Something good is happening from that. Uh, some people ask me if they can still join the tarot class that we are doing online. Uh, we started the first week. I can always send you the recording. It was just an introduction, and we have it every Wednesday at 5.30 in LA time. But there is a recording. So if you want to join, you can still join. There are the links um, are on my website. And let's see if there's any questions. Um Let's see. Birds. Seven roses. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, So we have here in Sweden, tradition is to bring seven roses, an uneven number when going to visit. Seven is definitely in the tree of life related to Venus and relationship. So that's definitely an interesting thing. And uneven uh, is also an interesting choice. Um, I've known people who are repelled by roses, including smell of roses. I wonder who. I never met anybody. Um, uh, I never met anybody who actually doesn't like roses. I'm sure there is some people who are allergic to roses, you know. But again, very powerful symbolism in uh, at least in the West. They're very very strong. Baby born with Chiron and a conjunct North Node it could be a healer coming back or somebody who decide to want to be a healer because the North Node on top of any planet in your chart represents what you wish to learn in this lifetime. So they wish to learn to be a healer, a surgeon maybe. And the conjunction between Mars and Venus is always good for relationship, for partnership, for art, for action around your relationships and to get resolution in the context of relationship. So I hope you're going to have an amazing Valentine's, an amazing conjunction of Chiron and the North Node. And I wish you all the best. And all it's great to do again the classes after two months at the morning, which I cannot forget that I should do. And thanks for bearing with me. Have a great week.